It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Locked on Vikings. I hope you enjoyed Super Bowl weekend. I am your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked on Vikings. This show is available anywhere you find your favorite podcasts like Spotify, Himalaya, Google Podcasts, whatever you like. Or if you don't like any of those services, you can simply ask your smart device to play podcast Locked on Vikings. And today we are going to spend most of the podcast talking about Kirk Cousins and the year that he had and really breaking it down. Pro Football Focus came out with their QB annual, their annual publication about QBs, as it were. And it's got a ton of information that really tells the story of a quarterback season really well. It is just dripping with interesting little nuggets and factoids. It's been out for all of last week, but now I have uh, Pro Football Focus's own Eric Eager to come on the show and explain it to me. So that's going to be most of the show. But first, a little bit of news. Former Vikings guard Steve Hutchinson was named to the Pro Football Hall of Fame on Saturday. In just his third year of eligibility, he has been named to the Hall of Fame. Of course, he also played for the Seahawks and the Tennessee Titans, but in his time here, he's known for two things, opening holes for Adrian Peterson during the prime of his career and protecting the likes of Brett Favre and also Tavares Jackson and others. He also, of course, was the subject of the great poison pill controversy where the Vikings gave him an offer sheet of a giant contract that would become fully guaranteed if he wasn't the highest paid offensive lineman on the team. The Seahawks, who had placed the transition tag on Steve Hutchinson, had a higher paid lineman in Walter Jones, and so they couldn't match that offer without it destroying their salary cap with all of that guaranteed money. This was, of course, a bit of a nefarious tactic, but it ended up in Steve Hutchinson on the Vikings. Later, the Seahawks got their revenge by doing a similar thing with Nate Burleson and taking him off of the Vikings. The NFL shortly banned such clauses and put an end to the whole controversy, but I always think that's fun to bring up. It's like it's a fun little moment of gamesmanship that, of course, everybody's still kind of mad about. Today's also Mock Draft Monday. And today, the mock draft we are going to be looking at is from Trevor Sikama at the Draft Network. This is a... Uh, collaboration between the Locked On Podcast Network and the Draft Network. They do mock drafts, we talk about them, and in Trevor Sikama's first round mock draft, he mocked cornerback Jeff Gladney from TCU to the Vikings. And it's always interesting when somebody mocks a corner to the Vikings, because I'm always so curious to look up what style of corner they are, because that kind of reveals what that analyst specifically thinks is going to happen with the Vikings cornerback situation. It's no secret that cornerback's going to be a need for the Vikings, just with the way that contracts are expiring and stuff. Rhodes, Waynes, and Alexander, really unlikely that all three are still on the team in 2020. Rhodes being more of a press man, a more physical, kind of sizey corner. Uh, Trey Waynes, also pretty physical, but also meant to play, you know, zone coverage and off, and, and especially uh, cover burners, guys like, you know, the old Deshaun Jackson, Ted Ginn types. And then, of course, Mackenzie Alexander, a, sl- a shorter slot corner that can move outside in a pinch. With Gladney specifically, he doesn't really fit those archetypes, and he kind of strikes an interesting balance between them. He is uh, very good at playing from press 
from press technique, but he doesn't really jam people. He's not like a like a physical press man type corner. He is good at mirroring. He's good at, you know, staying with receivers, copying their routes and, and the footwork and the technique that that's needed. He's a little grabby. He's certainly less raw than somebody than, you know, you, you need. And maybe with the state of the defensive backs coaching and losing Jerry Gray and, you know, not really replacing him with somebody who's as good as Jerry Gray, though that's probably an impossible ask. But not having that, maybe it's better to get somebody a little bit more polished at the the expense of a little bit less athleticism. He's still plenty athletic. I'm very curious to see what he runs in the combine uh, and and you know his pro day and stuff to know exactly how fast he is. Uh, I'm sure some people have a better sense for it than I ever would. But I think all in all, he makes for the best Trey Wayne's replacement. Definitely an outside corner type replacement. Uh, and then you can kind of choose: do you either keep uh, Xavier Rhodes, or do you cut Xavier Rhodes and give that money to Trey Waynes? And with a guy like Jeff Gladney, then you can kind of have a plug-and-play first-round corner to, you know, start to, to build up the new chapter of the Vikings secondary. So I have Eric Eager on the line here in just a second, but first I wanted to say a little word about Blue Chew. Blue Chew is the very first chewable tablet of its kind. It has the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know what we're talking about here, but it's a chewable, which means it kicks in twice as fast, so when the moment's right, that's that much less weight around. It's made right here in the United States, and it ships directly to your door in a nice discreet package, so you can skip the pharmacy and the awkwardness and waiting in line, and save a buck as well. So head on over to bluechew.com right now, that's B-L-U-E, like the color blue, chew.com, and enter promo code Locked On, and they'll let you try it for free. That's bluechew.com, promo code Locked On. Also, January is over, and some of you may be losing some steam on your New Year's resolution, but I'm here to tell you not to give up. And the best way to get in the best shape of your life is with Echelon. So go to echelonfit.com to discover their EX1 connected fitness bikes that offer a high-quality at-home cycling experience at less than half the price of a Peloton. It doesn't matter who you are, getting in shape is always a good idea, or just staying healthy. Whether you're a parent who's juggling too many things to get to a gym, somebody who works too many hours, or maybe you have all the time in the world, but you're just interested in their on-demand live studio classes, join the hundreds of thousands of men and women who are getting in shape with Echelon. It's under $1,000. Go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-F-L, that's L-O-N-F-L, to learn about their limited time, free Apple iPad, and complete details of this exclusive offer. Echelon, it's your time. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash l-o-n-f-l echelonfit.com slash l-o-n-f-l all right everybody i am here with pro football focus's own eric eager what's going on man hey luke uh things are going well man it's uh I'm looking forward to the to the game on sunday and uh and I look forward to chatting some vikings absolutely so for those who don't uh know who you are tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do at pff so I'm uh, one of the, the data, data science people at PFF. So uh, I'm, my job is to basically take the play-by-play data that we have, the, the grades and the, and the ancillary stuff, uh, and turn it into meaningful information. And a lot of that is, you know, uh, basically like how many win shares a guy was worth or uh, sort of what that means in terms of, you know, who's going to win a game, what's going to happen during a game. Um, but yeah, basically sort of taking that, that raw data and, and generating insights from it. Excellent. So we're here to talk about the QB annual, the uh, the yearly, you would even say annual, publication <laughs> about uh, quarterbacks. And this is so in-depth, and there's so much information here. 
Um, just like broad strokes, tell me a little bit about the point of this project. Well, I think a lot of it is just to simply show uh, the consumer and you know the the people that buy our product how much information you can glean from the data that we that we uh, collect, especially at the quarterback position, um, both at a play level, game level, season level, and, and sort of look a little bit deeper, right? Because there are going to be you know many quarterbacks who have the same grade, but that grade is composed differently, or uh, there are going to be quarterbacks who you know, uh, excel in some areas that are stable season to season and game to game. And there are some quarterbacks who uh, don't excel, uh, you know, in, in those in those stable things, but had a good year because they did really well in unstable things. So um, it, it's, it's a cool way to look at quarterback play. It's a cool way to look. We like to give it out in January so that, you know, you have all offseason to sort of look at, you know, who do I want to pick for my fantasy quarterback? Who, what, which teams do I want to bet on? Uh, in the 2020 season, which quarterbacks do I want to, you know, sort of pump the brakes on, even though they had a good year, um, because some of the underlying things are not, uh, you know, not uh, tractable season to season. So, um, yeah, that, it, it's it's a great, it's honestly a great product. A lot of good work goes into it. It is it is phenomenal. So let's get into Cousins. And I think the headline with Cousins is that he was stupid accurate like just insanely accurate at a bunch of levels of the field on a bunch of hard throws. So, but, but I know that like with the information that you have here, you can say in a lot more depth, whether or not someone was just, you know, accurate or inaccurate. Generally, you can get into a lot more details than that. So talk to me about cousins accuracy and kind of its characteristics and how it manifested itself. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. If you look at just the way in which, um, you know, the way in which he was able to, you know, uh, throw the football in a season where, you know, basically they didn't have a third receiver that was an NFL caliber player. Um, and uh, How dare you, you know, disparage BC Johnson like uh, that. And, and then, and then in other parts of the season, you know, he, he didn't have two wide receivers when Diggs was, or with Thielen sort of, sorry. Um, it was, it was very, uh, you know, very impressive for him. One of the interesting things though, you know, especially if you look in that basically, you know, t- uh, 10 to 19 yard range, um, you know, Cousins was, you know, extremely accurate, uh, or sorry, uh, yeah, he's extremely accurate there. But um, I think a lot of it is you, you have to ask yourself when you look at um, sort of how that offense was constructed, was that a product of the offense um, that Stefanski and Kubiak put into play? Or was that a product of, you know, some of the uh, you know, uh, improvement on his part? Because we know that accuracy is pretty stable and, and players just don't get better or worse season to season. So, um, one of the other interesting things I saw here, you know, when looking at his data was that, you know, we chart things very, various gradations of accuracy. And, you know, he, he was, had the fourth best rate of throws that we would consider accurate, but only the 25th best rate of throws we would consider accurate plus. And so what, what does that mean kind of? Well, it means like, I don't think the scheme, the scheme is scheming open receivers where Cousins simply has to be accurate to make a completion. And, and maybe, he, you know, when guys are contested, he might not be able to have that sort of like, you know, pinpoint accuracy on the correct shoulder. Um, but yeah, I mean, all in all, you know, Kirk was a very you know, good quarterback in 2019. And, and the question as you go into 2020, is going to be, can he maintain that under a new offensive coordinator? Right. And I think that's a, a pattern for Cousins where he's had, you know, high levels in the accurate bucket, but low levels in the accurate plus bucket. And it's never mattered much because Diggs and Thielen can always adjust to balls that are just a little bit off target. Um, and, and I'm just looking at the separation numbers, too. You kind of see that same idea where the Vikings had 
5%, 57% of their, of Kirk's throws were thrown to open receivers and league average is 52. That's a pretty mm-hmm. big margin of, you know, more guys were open all the time. And part of that sticks in Thielen, part of that's the scheme. Um, so tell me a little bit more about this accurate thing, because that is a scary subjective word. And I know that like when I was tweeting about, uh, QB annual stuff. Some people were like, well, wait, what if, you know, and I, I, I screenshotted the picture of uh, that's for every quarterback of like where on the receiver, the, the ball ends up going and they go, well, wait, what if the ball had to be way out front because of where the defender was? Can you just tell me a little bit about how that kind of thing gets charted? If there's a defender blanketed on someone and you have to throw it way outside their frame and it's kind of those, those throws where it's placed only where your guy can get it. Yeah, that would be considered accurate plus. I mean, so we, it, you know, the picture is somewhat misleading in the sense that not every receiver is running a crosser like Julio in the picture and has to bend over to catch it, you know? So it's sort of, um, and sometimes the throw like right in between the guy's numbers is actually inaccurate because it's sort of, it should be thrown on his back shoulder or sometimes leading a receiver when he, you know, streaking across the field is accurate plus, but, you know, throwing it right on his frame isn't because he has to slow down to catch it and you subsequently lose um, you know, yardage after the catch as a result. So it's a subjective thing. Um, but, you know, it, it's one of those where, again, like, you know, you put some, you, you add data analysis to sort of football knowledge and that's sort of what you get. So yes, when, when a player is, you know, when a player is blanketed, like the, the Kyle Rudolph throw is another one was like, it's, he threw it exactly where he had to go. Now the throw is above Kyle's head. But, Are you talking about the uh, the the playoff one against the Saints? Yeah, or the, the, the game winning. There were a couple. <laughs> the ga- yeah, the game winning touchdown to, to Kyle Rudolph was accurate plus because it was really the only place where he could throw the football, uh, and he and and he knew that, and he put that in the right position on that graph. It would look like it was an overthrow or a high throw, but but of course that that's you know that's the context that you have to layer into the data. Yeah, and that and that one does go into the accurate plus best possible throw that could have been bucket. That's right. All right. So we have a lot more to talk about and a lot with the scheme and how it works and, and maybe some of the more nitty gritty stuff. So a lot more stuff about this QB annual. And this is kind of the, the postmortem on Kirk Cousins season. Uh, more of this coming up. Hi, this is David Locke, the CEO of the Locked On Podcast Network. In this crazy, unprecedented and unnerving time, I know we're all living our lives a little differently. I thought we had some of our sponsors over the time that might be able to help you out. So we've reached out to them to get you specific offers. Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for their first seven days. Start your free deliveries, download the Postmates app, and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Anxiety, stress, need something to calm yourself down? The Calm app is available for you. 40% off to our listeners at calm.com slash LOCKEDONNBA. Stuck at home, want fitness? Echelon Fit has been a sponsor of ours. And you can go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. And if you're looking to add some new knowledge and get a little smarter in your free time, Masterclass, or at least your time at home, masterclass.com slash P-E-R is offering 15% off. If you missed any of those, go to lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. That's lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. Thank you very much for tuning in to Lockdown Podcast Network. We hope to be here for you to give you a relief and a respite from all the other news. And thanks very much. Be safe and practice your social distancing. All right, so we are back and uh, I'm here with Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus talking about the QB annual, talking about all Kirk Cousins today. Uh, And so here's something that really uh, got to me last year when this came out. The EPA per play on throws to Cousins' first read 
was 0.03. Um, league average, just looking at it from 2019, is 0.08. So they were below league average on first read throws. And that was probably an indictment of, of John Filippo, but an indictment of, of, you know, Cousins wasn't going to his next read. He was taking the first read too often because he threw to that first read way more often than league average. So he was taking the easy first read. It was always a short pass and it was never doing anything. It, you know, it, it wasn't getting enough yards. So this year it's way different. League average again is 0.08 EPA per play. Vikings got 0.18 EPA per play. So over double what the, uh, the average EPA per play is on first read throws and Kirk Cousins threw that 67% of the time, which is average. So he was throwing a, a more, he was going through read progressions more normally and those read progressions worked at an above average rate. So tell me about how you get glean that information about what the first read is, what the next read is. And does that mean anything? Or is that just something that a, a pattern that I noticed that is maybe just noise? No, I mean, a quarterback, you know, we, we look at, like, how defenses improved, right? Uh, one of the ways I looked at Kansas City's defense, for example, is that they were one of the they, – they allowed a negative EPA per play on a quarterback's first read this year, which means, again, you know, you're covering, you're winning early, right? So, conversely, from an offense's perspective, if you can, if you can scheme up plays where, you know, the quarterback is – you know, the offense is winning early – that's going to be good. That's going to be a good thing for the offense because we know seven yards on first down is is uh, you know very good. And and what's cool about this is you know a lot of that stuff. So we think of like a first read as a one two three throw the ball outside to dig make and make plays. But the A dot for Kirk Cousins on those plays was eleven point four. So yeah, you know, these often, are deep throws. Oftentimes it's a you know the 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 classic Kubiak you know, fake re, you know, fake outside zone boot out to the left and that the tight end streaking across the field is wide open. Um, and, and so, you know, to cousins credit, right. He, you know, the league average rate there in uncatchable plays is 23%. He's at 18, right. So it, it's not, you know, he's not the most, he's not you know terribly more accurate than everybody he is at more accurate than people on those throws. But what he's doing is he's giving his players a chance to make the plays on those throws uh, and, and getting them in good positions. He's not throwing turnover worthy plays there. And as a result, you know, he has twice the EPA per play on those plays uh, as the, um, you know, as the average uh, quarterback. He was good on second reads, don't get me wrong, and the league is, is quite a bit worse than he was there. But the first reads, like having access to successful plays basically without having to think is, is a mark, in my opinion, of a, of a really good, you know, heck, you know, offensive coordinator. Right. And, and it seems like as we go through this information, we get a lot of things that say, OK, this reflects well on the scheme. This reflects well on Cousins. And we kind of get plenty of both that tell us a story that, hey, both things were pretty good. And that's kind of how you get a top 10 offense. Um, so sticking with accuracy and stuff, uh, there was one really funny pattern. So of there's a, a chart on this called accuracy percentage by throw type where you look at, you know, screen throws and stick throws and, and throws over the back shoulder and throws on, you know, leading vertically and stuff like that. And Cousins was above average accuracy on all of them, except for swing passes where he only was accurate on a third of them. And league average is two thirds of them. Uh, so tell is that a sample size thing or was he genuinely horrible at that? Uh, I think it's a sample size. I don't know. I can't remember how many screen or swing passes he threw, but. It, it is one of those things where you think about Cousins. A swing pass is almost never the first read. And, we you know, Kirk has always really struggled when off script. And so it could be, you know, something having to do with him. Um, but I, I would say, you know, for example, if you look at his screen accuracy, um, he's better than average, right? And a screen is something that is like, 
you know, he knows a priori that's where he's going before the snap. And it's a similar throw, it. too. Yeah, and he can set his mind to it, and it's fine, right? But the swing pass is sort of one of those where Kirk, you know, uh, Kirk drops back, the first read isn't open, and he has to dither a little bit, and then he, you know, sort of self-destructs, as we've seen. So that, that, that's an interesting one, and, and I think it's probably part low sample size and then part just the way he is as a quarterback, which is somebody who, if you tell him, throw the ball here, he's about as good as anybody. And if you say, make something happen, he's a little sketchy. Yeah, the, the difference between bakers and chefs. Um, yeah. So I want to move on to some of the skill players here. Uh, so the one thing that I, I noticed that was interesting is their EPA per play when throwing to their big three, Diggs, Cook, and Thielen. Almost identical. Uh, 0.47, 0.47, and then D- Thielen was 0.45. So pretty much identical. And also, that's huge for all three of them. And it's especially interesting for Dalvin Cook because looking at other you know premier pass-catching uh running backs, that's about the same as Christian McCaffrey. I think a touch higher than Christian McCaffrey. That's higher than Aaron Jones. It's higher than Mostert. That's higher than, you know, guys like Saquon Barkley and Zeke Elliott and stuff. Um, so is that something that's schematic? Is Did we find a running back that mattered? What's going on here? Yeah, I mean, I think, well, they just did a really good job of scheming up some, you know, underneath throws for Cook during the season, um, you know, especially considering, so, like a lot of times, you know, when you look at running backs that have good add value, it's because they're down the field players. So like Tariq Cohen a couple of years ago, um, uh, I'm trying to think of other, like Marshall Falk back in the day. But like, you know, their average depth of targets are pretty high. Cooks was negative 1.6, which again yeah, means that he's, he's just, he's getting a ton of yards after the catch. Um, so yeah, maybe, I mean, Dalvin Cook, when I talk about running backs, I'd rather have Dalvin Cook than not have Dalvin Cook. It's just one of those where I don't know if I'd rather pay Dalvin Cook my perceived difference between him uh, and running back two. Yeah, and that's that's going to be the kind of the discussion uh, this offseason. Um, so last thing I want to get into and then we can wrap up here is uh, time to throw because that matters a bunch and parsing it out with the Vikings is particularly difficult because we're in a Kubiak scheme where there's rollouts and you kind of get artificially inflated time to throw, but time to throw has a pretty strong correlation to pressure. If I am not mistaken, right. And regardless of who your offensive line is, if you hold the ball longer, it's harder to block makes sense. Um, so tell me a little bit about Kirk cousins and his relationship with, uh, time to throw and accuracy and kind of what that means. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a guy that, and again, it's strange because, you know, when, when it comes to, um, when it it's hard because again, like you said, the Kubiak system allows for um, you know basically you know these plays that are long times of throws where are advantageous for the quarterback. In general, though, like longer times of throws are bad for a quarterback because pressure is more prevalent. Um, but yeah, I mean, this season, what was awesome for Kirk Cousins was that he took more plays. I mean, his jump, he, you know, basically eight, nine percentage points. In, in time to throw in terms of like, you know, holding it for more than the league average, which is 2.5. Uh, he went up there and we saw like, you know, that's a, a less conservative offense. That's a less, um, di- you know, that, that puts your offense in good positions. Uh, and he improved substantially. I mean, his EPA on passes that were, you know, help, we held on the ball more than league average went up, you know, f- 15 one hundredths of an expected point, um, which is, uh, which is immense. Now on, you know, Two that, and a half. that is a lot, right? Yeah, that because it sounds seconds. like a tiny number, but that's a lot. Yeah, and two and a half seconds or less, it went up a lot too. But like you think about that as being more maybe scheme or more uh, dependent upon 
you know, the, the, the skill players and stuff. But no, he was better when holding on the ball longer. And I think that has a lot to do with Kubiak as well, just putting, you know, longer plays, sort of having more uh, of a scheme feel to them than a, hey, go out and make a play sort of feel to it, a la Kansas City. Right, right. And and uh, Cousins is not Mahomes. So knowing, and last question for you, and then we can uh, get out of here. Knowing that Kirk Cousins is going to be back in 2020, knowing that you have the core back in 2020 outside of maybe like you're changing like a garden, maybe a tackle, right? But you're going to have Cook, you, you got Thielen Diggs under contract, you have Rudolph under contract. Everybody's roughly going to be the same. What would you change about this scheme, if anything? Because the Vikings are very clearly not interested in changing a lot. They promoted Gary Kubiak. They want all of the Kubiak things about this to stay the same. And, you know, they they lose what they lose with Stefanski. But they they seem, all of the things they've done so far, seem to be very driven at, hey, let's just do this all the same and run it back. Do you agree with that? Or is there something you would change schematically about the way that the Vikings have used Kirk Cousins? Uh, I would just, so the, 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 the wrong lesson learned about 2018 was, throwing so much on early downs is bad um, because as good as Stefanski was, and, and he was, I think the fourth best play call on our metric, he did a really good job. I think of maximizing talent. Um, he, they, they, they ran the ball too much on early downs. Uh, and, right, especially and so, second and long, yeah, especially second and long. And that hurts you because you need to win on third down, which is not necessarily the easiest thing to do um, for teams uh, in the NFL. I mean, the NFL defenses are basically built to beat teams on third down. Uh, right. And so I think if you marry the, 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 you know, De Filippo ran a lot of good, you know, he had a good run pass balance. He just ran the wrong pass plays. Um, so uh, if you can marry a, the good run pass balance of De Filippo with the good pass and run plays of, uh, you know, the Kubiak Stefanski regime, I think you'd get a better offense. Um, and, and we saw that, you know, you know, basically, you know, some games, Kansas City comes to mind, Green Bay comes to mind, where like they just weren't efficient enough on early downs. You put Cousins in a position to have to make plays, um, you know, right. late and in the drive. He can't fake the run. And just, and it's third and, and eight. Simply, yeah. Yeah. He simply can't do it. And, and that, you know, and that's most quarterbacks. So just, you know, don't treat him like don't treat him like a superstar quarterback. Give him some help. Uh, and I think he'll deliver that way. Yeah, and, and that kind of uh, makes sense. You know, the the it seems like the Kubiak scheme has always been one where you run a lot, and then when you do pass, because you're running a lot, you you know they understand that they want to make the most of those opportunities. So their passing game isn't just like, you know, a West Coast five A dot kind of thing. When they do pass, it's like a shot play all the time, and they feel like they have to set up runs to like earn those shot plays. And I guess what you're saying is just take more shot plays because you don't have to run as much to earn them. And they're really, really efficient. Do it more, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and that's and that's the thing where I think people, I think the very presence of Dalvin Cook, but even you know this, just the very presence of, um, you know, just like threats on that offense are more than having are are more prevalent and more impactful than having to waste downs on said plays. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And I think the Vikings, you know, I think Zimmer just feels like he has to waste the downs just to establish things. And that's just not true. Right. Eric, thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy uh, weekend schedule to, to record with me. Hey, thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on a, a throwback to our old uh, climbing the pocket days. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Jason. Awesome. Thanks, man.
Thank you guys so much for hanging out for that incredibly detailed look at Kirk Cousins. I'll see you all tomorrow. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at LukeBronNFL. You can find the show on Twitter at LockedOnVikings. This show is available anywhere you find your favorite podcasts, or you can just ask your smart device to play podcast Locked On Vikings. See you all tomorrow, and as always, Skull. Hey, Locked On Minnesota listeners. This is Tony Abbott here to tell you about the brand new Locked On Wild podcast, where my co-host Joe Bully and I break down the Minnesota Wild every single day. How can you listen? Just search for Lockdown Wild in your favorite podcast app and subscribe to bring Lockdown Wild to your device every day.